Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. Just a massive thank you to whoever you are listening to this. Before we start, just to remind you that we do this podcast two, three times a week, but we don't always know which days it's going to be on, so there's only one way to know, and that is to subscribe and get notifications. Why not drop us a review while you're there? Right, enough about that. Let's talk some rugby. I'm Ben James. I'm joined by Andy Howell today, another podcast. How are you feeling, Andy? Not too bad, Ben. Been down with a bit of a head cold. Have you? Yes, yes. Fortunately, long walk up of the mountains yesterday, about four hours. That sorted me out a little bit, feeling better today, Ben. So uh, here I am for you to put up with. That's good to hear. Always good to hear. Um, and there's a fair, fair bit of uh, sort of news to talk about. Uh, England have announced their Six Nations squad literally in the last few minutes, which we're sort of digesting a few little surprises in there which I'm sure we'll get on into the podcast um, we got Dom Day coming up in a little bit the former Saracens lock talking about Nick Tompkins his, uh, his, his old teammate who was called up to Wales um, but let's start with maybe the biggest story of the weekend that's Saracens um, they've been relegated from the Premiership but this is one of the biggest scandals in, in, in rugby isn't it, it, it the, the, certainly well obviously certainly I can remember but um, I'm sure you, you'll say the same yeah, absolutely. It's not not just in rugby. This is a major sporting uh, uh, scandal. When you uh, delve through history, you know this is a form of doping. This is financial doping. Perhaps the biggest scandal of all was the Lance Armstrong cycling scandal, where all his team was involved, uh, and that was huge. This is comparable, right? except um, it's financial uh, um, doping. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they're paying a heavy price for it. Seems like they can't meet the salary cap uh, this season. Means they're going to be um, relegated for next season. And of course, they've accepted this punishment now. They're making a break of the past. And, uh, you know, they're going to have to build towards the future. Um, they're going to spend a, a year in the championship, assuming they come uh, uh, back, back up, up yeah. which you would expect. Um, and assuming, of course, they, they carry on. You know, the power brokers at the club... Uh, uh, you know, they could actually pull the plug if they wanted. If they pulled the plug, the debt of the club is so great that they would go under. Um, but I, uh, I assume that they're going to carry on one season in a championship. The income stream won't be as high, but I would imagine they'll get more, much the same sort of crowds as they get at the moment. The Lions Park's not the biggest ground in the world. They're following. They're hardcore. I think we'll probably uh, 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 carry on backing them. And you know they'd be certain in ease with the squad they've currently got. Though they would probably lose, uh, gonna have to release some other players or offload some other yep. players, as well as the ones whose contracts be up at the end of the season. Um, you know, there's no reason why they can't come straight back up and be a force the following year. Yeah, they'll have to wait another year then, though, for Champions Cup rugby, won't they? Because they'll they'll come up as into the yeah. Premiership and they'll play Challenge Cup for a year. Yeah, but. They win the Champions Cup this season, and by the way, I'm still backing them to win the Champions Cup, even though they play in the, the top season lens that are away. They wouldn't qualify. They would be stopped, would they? Yes, Definitely. because they would not. They're not. They're not in. You have to obviously Champions Cup winners automatically qualify for the next season, providing you are in the qualifying league, which is the Premiership, um, top fourteen or the Pro. But isn't 14. the rest of the English league structure all part of the same English system? Um, I think I think I think it's fairly clear in the EPCR or ECPR, whatever it is. Um, their their sort of rule books and law books that 
you couldn't have a team in the Championship playing in the Champions Cup. Um, Could you have a team from the French top uh, 14 Division 2? Um, I don't think so. Um, obviously, the only sort of teams outside of the Premiership, top 14 and Champions Cup, who can play European rugby are invitational teams from Europe. So you get obviously the likes of NSI or you occasionally get like a, a Spanish team or, you know, like a, a Romanian team play in the Challenge Cup. Um, there'd be no precedent for inviting Saracens in the championship to play in European rugby. Uh, I saw some people moot on Twitter on Friday that they could potentially take legal action about that, but um, I don't, mean, I don't I, think I, they will. I don't think they'll take legal action. However... If they win Europe this season, Champions Cup, I believe they should be in next season's tournament. Because they because this is a separate tournament, Champions Cup. I mean, they've been punished for the Premiership, and but, I see some but people saying... On, but it's a knock-on effect, isn't it? I, yeah, it's a knock-on effect, but they're still European champions. In a company, they haven't broken any salary rules in the Champions Cup. I see people saying that over the weekend. They should lose their Champions Cup title last season when they never broke any rules in Champions but Cup. They, they obviously, they built a squad that could compete on both fronts by breaking the rules in, in the Premiership. Yeah, but they haven't broke any European rules. So European Champions Cup is totally irrelevant. Shouldn't we even be part of the debate? If Lance Armstrong, Lance Armstrong takes steroids while he's doing the Tour de France... And the rest. If he then wins, you know... Another race. Another race. Spain, yeah, also, also Italy. Yeah. yeah. You're still feeling the effects from what you've done in in, in something else, even if you haven't. Spe- you yeah, but there's, but there's no salary limit, is there? In the uh, in uh, Champions Cup, look at this, how much some of the French teams spend. Look how high what the I'm salary saying, cap is. If Saracens, I know you say, yeah. what you're trying to say here, I believe, is the Wood Saracens are qualified for the Champions Cup. Oh, they'd if if the uh, if they adhere to the salary cap, in they'd, England. they'd qualify because they are. They're the, you know they, they'd always be the top end of, of England, but if they had adhered to the salary cap rules. One, they wouldn't have had the squad depth to to compete in Europe. Two, they wouldn't have had the luxury well, of, of well, they resting. Would... They wouldn't have had the luxury of resting players in premier in key Premiership weekends before European games, because that's the one thing they've always been able to do is they've been able to change their team for, for domestic matches, so they can always put out a good strong team in Europe, which is you know a conundrum that other countries and other uh, clubs have, have have had to sort of deal with. For me, there even though. They didn't break the rules in Europe. Yeah. Oh, yeah, They're no. inseparable. Unless you unless you specifically paid players to play in Europe and not play in the Gallagher Premiership, which, as far as I'm, that's a, that's a feasible thing to do. It's just no player would do it. Mm. That would be the only way that you you would be yeah. fine in my yeah. book in not breaking the rules in Europe. I understand what you're saying, but if they had a deal to the salary cap, they might have still won Europe. No one knows that, do they? It's imponderable. They might have, but the so yeah, I think it's unfair Lan- to write them off about yeah, saying but, they were the way. But had Lance Armstrong not taken steroids, he might have won the Tour de France. No, he won not because the performance came from steroids but he, that great. Yeah, but he that he won not won just the steroids. It was the whole package. But once once you cheat, you take away the what if. Once, once, once you pay, once you break the salary cap rules, you 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 take away yeah, the, the bro- what if bro- they hadn't yeah, broken the salary, broke the salary cap, cap rules. rules in the Premiership. I, for me, it's inseparable. Right? You, you, you run, you know, you, you, you run one squad during the season, don't you? If they, if they, if they, if they paid players to play, in, if you, if you separate players, you say right, you're only, we're only paying you to play in Europe. You're not, you're not registered in the Premierships. You're not getting paid to play in the Premierships. So you don't count towards the Premiership budget. 
then that's that's not that's a that's different fine. argument that's what yeah. you're saying yeah i know i understand what you're saying but what i'm saying is they might still if say they say they would adopt uh, we're in the salary cap they lost five six maybe ten players for some fringe players they may still well have won Europe because they got a you know they got a fantastic core players there anyway, well, which they would have yeah, yeah. retained. What I'll say is the, the other problem with all this is, I think there's a lot of PR. There's a lot of PR problems. Obviously, you've got well they brought in independent they brought in an outside company when this scandal first broke, and that outside company you know they, they advised Saracens to deny it. We haven't done anything wrong and all yeah, that. So Sar- Saracens they, they shown yeah. they lied. So Sar- Saracens came out very strong, and they, you know they basically said. They, they actually specifically said in an article that we're compliant with the regulations this season. Then, you know, they all came out and, you know, it was sort of, you know, siege mentality. Now, they, it, they've very much been offered, it was either you take relegation or you, you, you're subject to an audit. They've taken relegation. Now, you wouldn't take relegation unless there's something in those books that you don't want audited. So on that side of things their PR's been bad but also Premiership Rugby I think have not dealt with things that well because well, there's been no transparency from Premiership Rugby it's, it's been it's been the it, odd update well, so it's a classic classic uh, instance what sports do and we go back to the Armstrong uh, scandal and other scandals yeah. open scandals in other sports at the end of the day sport and association don't want to catch cheats whatever mm. form of cheating Premiership Rugby wouldn't want assassins to be caught really but they've had to be take action because they were caught because of the um, you know other clubs kicking up uh, uh, fuss because the damage this potentially does to rugby union yeah. premiership i.e. premiership rugby's income streams let's be fair sponsors like. could they lose sponsors over this even yeah potentially and that sort of thing is same in doping scandals Certainly. no sport and there's a te- big doping scandal going on in tennis right now but no sport really wants to really despite what they say no sport wants to catch anyone really Doping because of the damage it does to the credibility of the sport and potential loss of TV coverage and incomes. There's been doping scandals in tennis for a long time. In fairness, hasn't there? Um, Absolutely. Which you know, it's, it's a I think it's that's a different case. It's an individual sport, isn't it? So people are gonna, you know, you're accounting for 500 different individuals in the top. You know. Yeah, but a lot of these yeah. individuals now got entourages behind them. Exactly. So, um, but what was I saying? Yeah. So you know, Premiership. I don't think they've been they haven't been transparent for me like there, there was a report put out well it wasn't put out that's the whole point it wasn't put out there was a report made um, which you know obviously that that proved that Saracens were, were not complying with the last three seasons nobody's seen their report now that they've been relegated in the premiership we should be seeing this report because we should be well, seeing well that report sh- should have been put out like yeah. the Rob Owley exactly. hearing was put out as transparent the Rugby Football Union they are transparent when it comes to cases uh, disciplinary yeah. cases in England you have the full judgement and why Premiership Rugby should, they should have put, done the same thing released the full judgement I'm lost because I'm not I can't remember that at some point I'm pretty sure the report did have a non-disclosure agreement on it I think there were, or there was certainly one report because there were certain things that might have been printed in certain sections of the media which could only have come from the report so how they got hold of that who knows well things get leaked exactly <laughs> but um, you know now now that um, now that they've been relegated we should be getting a, a, a clearer idea rather than just you know Friday was you know absolute media circus wasn't it I think the news first broke Thursday it was like 
Saris are pretty much accepting they're going to get relegated. Friday was all different things. You know, they're two million over the salary cap. They've been given an ultimatum. They're going to get hit with another thirty-five point fine, which will effectively relegate them. It wasn't until Saturday night when the Premiership Rugby, I think, put out a statement saying, "No, they've been relegated." And then we've had nothing really since from Premiership Rugby. Like we, we should be getting answers to to what Saracens have done. Not not just the other clubs, because you know you you can take the other clubs as two two sort of sides to this, can't you? You can take them as being you know some people will call them vindictive. Some people have called them vindictive in other parts of the media, and but then some people they're the victims. Well, they are the victims. Well, they are, they, or they are for now. They are the victims. For now. Yeah. They, they might not. They, they also might not have complied. Who yeah, knows? but you don't Who know knows? that. We don't know that. You're innocent until proven guilty as far as I'm But they deserve to know. And also, the Saracens fans deserve to know. Because they're also victims in this. Mm. And a lot of them are having to defend the club that right now... Well, a lot, a lot of them are accepting the punishment, mind. And saying this right. They are, but they're, they're also... As a Saracens fan, you naturally want to defend your club, but... If yeah, but they bang to rights. Yeah, so but you if, can defend the indefensible. No, exactly. But, but if they don't know exactly what their club's done, mm. then it's really hard for them to just have a have a actual stance. Well, perhaps Saracens ought to really support us. Yeah, exactly. Like well. once, yeah. once. But you're dead right. Yeah. What you're saying about Premiership rugby? Yeah. You know, they, didn't they come in when they they and the French really took over the um, um, Champions Cup competitions and the Challenge Cup? They took it over control, really, from the unions and all. Yep. They promised the earth, and really. Nothing's any different to when the unions are running it. So maybe they're not as great as they think they are and they need to look at themselves. There we go, yeah. Yeah. On a wider issue with Saracens, um, do you know what? Saracens, some of those Saracens players, assuming they're still the Saracens next season, your Mario Tojois, Owen Farrell, yep. Vinopola brothers, they'll be in contention or will be with the Lions in South Africa the end of next season. And do you know, I don't think Warren Gatland, the Lions coach, will mind if they are still with Saracens and playing some games in the English Championship. And because I would expect England to still pick them because they're such good players. And uh, in, in effect, they're playing in our Championship. They can ease their way for the season. They will be busting the gut for the Lions. How many players have had England call-ups while playing in the Championship? Probably none. One. Right, go on, name him. Joe Cock and a Seagull, while he was at London Irish <coughs> didn't make the yeah, starting yeah, 15 each had a squad okay. call yeah but I wouldn't class him as a world class player no. I would class the Vinopolo brothers Owen Farrell and Mario Itoji as world class players who could get in any team in the world so that is the difference so I don't think Eddie Jones I don't think he'll mind either they'll play in there and if he can pick him he'll pick him I, I think their first instinct will be to their first instinct is, is England and Lions. How do I secure my selection? The, Maybe with people like Owen Farrell, if they do get assurances that they can they can take a year in the Championship and you know play all the internationals, and they can still go on that Lions tour, stay in the Saracens with the idea that you'll be back in the Premiership in a year's time, and it will sort of be the status quo. They can they can live with that, mm. but this squad is going to get broken down yeah. other players have gone and other clubs have been relegated have gone down and, they, and some of them have stayed with those clubs and come back up oh, don't forget Harlequins Northampton they've all spent time in our yeah, first division I mean yeah like yeah. Dylan, uh, Dylan Hartley was banned you know, for a long you know period. Gatland I know we know how Gatland works and dealings over the years out of the ones I mentioned Michael Vinopola Owen Farrell Mario Itoji 
a certainties to go on that Lions tour. Absolute certainties. I don't care where they're playing, as long as they fit, they will be on that Lions tour. And as I said, I think Gatland wouldn't mind at all that the number of high class matches they are playing, uh, um, he, he won't be concerned about that. And I don't think it will stop in, uh, Eddie Jones picking him either for England. I don't know. I certainly a lot of players will leave. I think. Well, some are going to have to leave, but they yeah, got a problem. Yeah, where they, they where are they going to go? Because if they go to other clubs in England, how much room is there in squads in England to recruit those players with big money players and knock over the salary cap themselves? And then if they go and play outside England, they can't be picked by England because England never uses exceptional circumstances rule. Yeah. There'll be there'll be this is the thing. How how many players are Saracens contracts have come to an end? And is there any clauses in the contracts of any players Saracens which deal with this type of scenario? I don't know. That's the that's the thing, and that's what that's what we don't know. And that's maybe that makes it and then the likelihood is that the big name England players are more likely to stay while you get that sort of middle yeah. middle ground of players who, who who are sort of, you know, they can do a job and they're not on big contracts and if they go abroad it's not the end of the world for them because they know that they haven't got a test future. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Plus, there was a few boys out of contract like Lazowski yeah. and Wigglesworth and Michael Rogues who are like someone like this gone. lad now, Nick Tompkins, who's in a Wales squad from Saracens. I would have thought Welsh regions are probably moving for him already. You know, they'll be yeah, uh, they will try and get him to Wales, and he, you know, could follow another. You could follow a an esteemed Wales international from Saracens to Wales in. Tom yeah. Shanklin who made that move oh, yes, years true. ago so it uh, won't surprise me yeah. to see like him playing here Liam Williams on the way back already Reese Carey he might not be on big money up there and that might be they might prefer to uh, offload Marco Vinopolo than Carey because Carey perfect for him next season be learning an English uh, um, championship what they could do is loan players out loan them to other clubs to premiership clubs or elsewhere and perhaps pay half the salary themselves and could, you know that could put them uh in, in, in a position in a, in a position they can carry then yeah, uh, financially they could do that sort of thing because you know football clubs do that all the same they loan players to other clubs but you, you still pay part of the salary yeah. um, you know it's like uh, here's a case uh, for, in rugby Ryan Jones when Ryan Jones joined Bristol <laughs> was part of the way for the season for the yeah. Ospreys and the real story there was that Ryan Jones had actually joined Bristol but then he was loaned back to the Ospreys until he was until the end of the season when he played in the playoffs for uh, or Bristol. So he was with the Ospreys while they were competing for something before actually sort of you know it was all a bit hush hush. But really joined Bristol a few months earlier and was actually loaned back to the Ospreys. That was the arrangement there. there you go. So that's how you you know you can do things, get around things. Yeah. Uh, what would be interesting would there, any of these players get loaned to clubs in the Pro 14? Or would clubs want them? Would for example, Benetton or Zebra, would they want some of those boys playing for them? Would they? Would we'll the have Irish have We'll have to wait and see, won't we? Would they have a couple of them as they're foreigners? Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. Well, it'll be interesting. What will be interesting is when Saracens, A, if they continue in business, B, if they do, I assume they'll get promoted, and then C, you know, what sort of premiership club will they be afterwards? It's 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 going to be interesting to sort of watch how it all folds uh, unfolds, isn't it? Yeah, but they've only got themselves to blame. Yeah, um, but it's funny you talk about Nick Tompkins potentially coming back to Wales because They're not coming back, coming to Wales for the first time. Yeah, sorry, actually, that's good. Yeah, good wording. <laughs> um, 
I spoke to Dom Day the other day. Um, uh, actually, before all this Saracen stuff had really sort of taken full effect, and uh, this is what he had to say about Nick Tompkins. I'm Sam Warburton, and you're listening to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. Yeah, a bit, a bit of a surprise inclusion, uh, Nick Tompkins in the Wales squad. Were you aware that he was Welsh, first of all? I was, actually, yes, because he, um, he would always come up to me uh, in training and put on this sort of big Welsh accent and tell me he's from the Valleys. Uh, and uh, I grilled him on it a couple of times, and it actually mm-hmm. turns out that he, he does have family from the Valleys, so I'm not sure whereabouts exactly, but... Uh, yeah, he's. Um, I think he's possibly been on the radar for a, for a little while now, and um, you know he's obviously had. Uh, like last year, he was he was brilliant, and and this year he's sort of taken that form right through. So uh, I'm just a bit him. Did he ever sort of speak to you or Liam Williams about playing for Wales? Was that ever something that he talked about? Um, yeah. I th- I had a couple of brief chats last year with him about it. Um, just, you know, just sort of trying to find out where his head's at, to be honest. And uh, obviously, yeah, he, he, he's um, you know, he's made the decision now, which is, uh, I don't know if he spoke to Liam about it. Obviously, I haven't been there for a few months, but um, you know, he's obviously... He's obviously confident because, you know, I think in the form he's in now, he uh, he possibly could have got into the England or Wales squad. So I think he's a top try scorer in the Premiership at the minute. So um, you know, he's, he's done you know, really well and seems seems to be happy with his decision to to, to, to be cut by Wales. Uh, what's he like then um, off the pitch, um, apart from putting on fake Welsh accents? Yeah, no, he's, he's he's a good lad. He's only do you know how old he is exactly? Twenty-four, isn't he? Yeah, twenty-four. Yeah, so like he's you know he's still he's still super young, but uh, yeah, he's you know he's a great character. Um, he talks up. Uh, he's not afraid to sort of speak his mind, and and uh, he's got a great mind for the game as well. A uh, great vision around everything, and uh, you know, he's. Uh, I said to him, I texted him the other day when I saw the selection. I said, just be careful with your with your, uh, with your posh posh accent going into camp. You might get bullied. And uh, <laughs> he uh, he laughed it off. But no, he's 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 a good lad. Um, you know, he gets on well with everyone, and uh, you know, I, I think he's going to slot in nicely. So um, particularly um, particularly with his form at the minute, I think everyone will be chuffed to have him in the ranks. Any sort of particular stories um, from your time with Nick at Saracens that maybe stick out? The show, show, Any show, stories? Yeah, the show Wales, what we're getting. Uh, <laughs> what, off the pitch or on the pitch? Or well, both, I guess. Start, start with, start with <laughs> off the pitch. Uh, oh, crikey. Uh, uh, do, do you know, I can't think of anything that really stands out now. Uh, difficult one that bit. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess, I don't know, like one thing that, that does really uh, 
strike me when he's on the pitch is on, even the training pitch is uh, he would always have little little sort of niggles in training and he's he's a very feisty character when he's um, he's completely different character when he's actually on the pitch when he's off the pitch off the pitch he's he's a he's a lovely lad um, but on the pitch uh, he's got this sort of competitive edge that is um, you know similar to the likes of of uh, Owen Farrell and he um, you know he's, he's constantly shouting at people um, you know Get, getting stuck in the, even in in you know the lighter training sessions, you know he's physical. Uh, he he, talk, he talks his mind on the pitch. Whether that upsets people, he doesn't care. But he just wants to get things done and done right. And uh, you know, I think I think that's sort of testament to to what's got him where he is now uh, in his career, which is you know he's played in and I'm, I, at such a young age he's played in in, in a few finals and. and you know, won trophies, and uh, you know he's um, he's played well as well. You know, scored tries, which is you know unbelievable for for a centre of 24, especially with with the guys at the club like Brad Barrett and Alex Zazowski and uh, you know even Owen Farrell in there at 12 as well sometimes. So uh, you know he's 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 a he's a feisty character and, and a real battler. So obviously, he came through when he was. A- quite young didn't he and he, he sort of broke onto the scene around the age of 20 was he always sort of is is the feistiness and, and the sort of talkativeness on the pitch something that's developed over the years or is that something that he's always possessed yeah well I mean I've only been there the last I was only there for sort of two two and a half years but um, it was always the same whenever I saw him uh, he kind of developed he kind of went from uh because I was always sort of in and out of the squad, so we had a, a long spell on the same team, um, and you know he was always, always sort of had that attitude then. And then uh, when I had to go up against him, um, uh, you know, it, it was, it was, it was kind of being on the opposite side was was uh, you know interesting. You know, he'd, I'd always sort of give him little digs and and. Uh, you know, training just 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 a, a bit of a crack, but uh, he'd always come back at me and give me one, you know, twice as hard, which uh, which neither of us t- took took well to. We had a couple of niggles, but uh, I, I I think uh, the whole time I've known him, he's been exactly the same, and I think it's just sort of inbred. In who, who came out on top of the bread niggles? within him, inbred. <laughs> who, who came out on top in the niggles? Oh me every time, mate. I was going to say every he's, time. he's only he's only about I've six, is six foot. Is he six foot? <laughs> about fourteen stones. Uh, <laughs> no. Yeah, he is a big lad, man. He is a big lad, but uh, yeah, he's. Uh, but I you've, you've probably seen him play now. Um, now that he's been in the Wales squad, or seen clips in the least. But he's uh, you know, defensively, he's he's an unbelievable player. Like he is his spot tackle in particular is is the way he reads defenses and uh the way he can get out and, and make make um make tackles uh, sort of you know try saving tackles you know he's he's second to none in that respect and um obviously he's top try scorer in the premiership at the minute as well so um you know both sides of of attack and defense he's 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 up there at the minute so obviously that's something that Wales are going to have to you're filling the void of Jonathan Davis, who's you know one of the best defenders in in Test rugby. But I, I guess you know Tom Nick Nick Scott, 
he's clearly a good reader of the game defensively, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, and obviously he's a big part of the Southampton's game as well. So um, it's, it's probably uh, going to possibly. I, I don't know what Wayne Kovac's uh, plan is, but um, it, it'd probably be a little bit of a test for him to adapt to a different environment. Uh, I don't know if he's. I think he came to the case. He's only ever been at Saracens, so it's going to be a great experience for him to sort of be amongst uh, different people and different training environment. Um, but. I think that's only gonna 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 you know be good for him because uh, these things can really you know improve you as a player just being around other players and in different environments. And from what what you saw when you were sort of training with him and playing with him, did you always think that he was gonna play Test rugby one day? Yes, yeah, a difficult one. Um, I guess it was always dependent on. You know, England is is a very competitive country at that that particular position, and then on top of that, Saracens is also competitive. So um, he was going to have to sort of rise to the top at Saracens, and that sort of happened, you know, more so this year. Um, so I always knew he had it in him, but I knew that he was going to have to prove himself at Saracens first, and that's exactly what he's done. And then um, it's sort of just a natural next step, I think, for him to go on and play uh, play play international rugby. Obviously, he's got the the accent down. Do, do you know if he's got the um, the national anthem down yet? Yeah, I was I was going to text him about the other day and and, and tell him he's going to come around for lessons, but uh, I have to yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd be surprised if um, if he knows it. I'm sure he's shouted glad, glad at me a few times, but uh, you know, he can't have him mumbling the whole anthem and then just shouting glad, glad. That's not all it works. Oh, he's got the main bat. Yeah, Just what Dom Day had to say on Nick Tompkins. It'll be interesting to see what he does um, in his sort of long-term future, but probably he'll be uh, settling into his short-term future because today's first day in Wales camp for him. Um, but before we get on to sort of Six Nations matters, it was a weekend of European rugby. Um, obviously, the Crisis Club, we talked about Saracens, actually booked their place in a quarter final, incredibly so. Um, and so did two Welsh regions, which looked slightly sort of off the cards coming into the weekend didn't it but um, it certainly did because uh, you know I posted that scenario last week yep. where the, all the Welsh regions uh, could miss out if um, if Worcester beat Cast and Cast got two losing bonus points one for scoring four tries one's losing uh, by less than seven points and uh, you know that's why I feared to the final whistle because the score situation Cast were just ahead if Worcester scored a converted try would have happened Worcester and uh, Cast would have gone through the expense of the Dragons but uh, Cast expertly played the clock down and they won the match which opened it up for the Dragons to qualify and then even better on Saturday well Cardiff Blues were beating the amateurs of or every pros of uh, Calvisano uh, easily they were dependent on uh, Leicester winning yep. at Poe Poe won that match but they failed to get a bonus point even though they scored four, three tries before half time they didn't score a try in the second half didn't get a bonus point which opened it up then for the Scarlets to go to London Irish ne- uh, needed a bonus point victory uh, to get through 
and after a sticky opening uh, 10 minutes when they conceded try they took complete control of that match and it was all over before the hour mark fantastic performance and the number of Scarlet's fans who made the trip Good there Good and the noise they made was incredible I've been up there before with them when they won it uh, I think that was the fifth or sixth time they played London Irish in Europe and they've never lost a round and I've been up there before and it was exactly the same where they take take over the ground at the one end and they were absolutely magnificent Good. so it was a great performance yeah. from Scarlett's one of their best performances this season okay people say well London Irish were already out yeah. but London Irish had a strong team and they give the Scarlets major problems in Lanarkshire earlier in the season yep. with their weight but the Scarlets played some great stuff did a great job so we end up now two teams in the tournament where are they off? Uh, ooh Oh, Scarlet's got to return to Toulon Toulon isn't it? yeah so that'll be uh, then, you know uh, Dragons that, they, Bristol yeah Dragons away Bristol uh, unfortunately both the way it, it looked like it was going the other way around at one point am I right in thinking? Uh, I saw some things on Twitter it looked like Scarlet well, no, Bristol be, and Dragon Toulon no which, because Toulon when you looked who they were playing yeah. they were playing Bayonne who were already out and it was in Toulon and Toulon wanted to be top seeds at home etc and um, so yeah yeah but uh, Scarlet's you know both those Scarlet's be underdogs uh, but I think they fancied it Brad Moore you know he said fancy another crack at them they look good I'm away sh- yeah I'm sure they'll be really competitive match depending on what happens on the Six Nations and your yeah. injury situation and uh, do you know what I think the Dragons got a chance at Bristol Bristol uh, uh, have gone off the boil a bit I know this a long time for this next game interesting stat here the Dragons I think have been in uh, never, three never or lost, four never, never pre- previous quarter finals uh, and they haven't lost yeah. So they, they, you know, that'll be a full-on game. If Dragons with their Wales internationals, full-strength team, that could be a heck of a match. Yeah, it won't be a lot net. I remember yeah. the, when they mugs um, Gloucester away yeah. in the quarterfinal, totally written off and one. Blues. Beat Cardiff Blues in. Uh, uh, I mean, how, soon, how soon is that after the Six Nations? Because you could it's be about April, the uh, first weekend in April. Be interesting. There's a few weeks. Yeah, and there could be a couple of sort of key internationals coming back for. Yeah. Reese Patchell could be back for that. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. Which would be a big boost. Um, no, it'd be fascinating because obviously the Scarlets look good out in Toulon. Mm. Mm. Let's look at the other two Welsh regions, though. The Ospreys only won one match all season. Competition rounded off with a defeat yeah. out in uh, in the Champions Cup, the Premier competition. Defeat out in Munster, not unexpected. A bit of a revolving doors in the centre, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never with my old mate Justin Tipridge playing. Uh, I knew you'd be excited. I knew you'd be excited about that. Yeah, hey. But it's not just me who's the C you could play anyway. People like the uh, Ryan, Ryan Jones, Jones, Shane Williams, James Hook, they all say it. Guys who are there. So anyway, he ended up in the centre with George North. Um, North was exposed on a one try I, I saw by uh, Munster where he was ball watching and came in. Um, but you can, you know, you've got to feel sorry for the uh, uh, Ospreys yeah. because of, uh, they've just had so many injuries they've had it this campaign that's the bottom line it's not ideal yeah. for George North is it? if you think no I mean obviously we'll, we'll get on to Lewis Reese <coughs> in a minute and he's had an injury blow but Wales are, are looking fairly stocked in the back three mm. George North would want to be laying down a marker right now because there are some people who think he shouldn't you know some people think he shouldn't be in the squad some people think that his place on the wing isn't assured S- so when you're a winger like that you want to be playing minutes on the wing and, and sort of laying down markers and getting the ball he's not getting the chance to do that no he's not he's so just, he just kept basically yeah. the Ospreys killing time until they get all until they get lots of injured players back whether they're not that's this season or next uh, you know yeah. who knows you know they, they've had it you haven't got a chance of it it feels got to feel sorry for the for them in uh, one, re, uh, in one respect yep 
so uh, yeah it doesn't help for uh, people like people like George who want to get in the um, once again our Wales team I must say though from all of the reports I've seen and all the temperatures are outstanding in that match again so uh, you know I expect him to be in the Wales team and Alan Wynn was uh, <coughs> doing his bit flanker, well. or flanker or second uh, or centre you're going to start Tipperick against Italy I think they, have to, they might end up playing the, the Tompkins in yeah, the centre. Yeah, so I think it'd be the Tompkins. Yeah, I think we all need to pay a bit of attention here, though, Ben, to Cardiff Blues. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, they finished third in that group. Not good enough, as John Melville, their coach, uh, uh, said, pointed out afterwards. Uh, Leicester, you know, won that group. They, you know, great shakes in the English nope. Premiership. Nope. Poe, sort of French team you want to be beating. That home so game, he, wasn't it? It was that home yeah, game. Yeah, they against Leicester. Leicester. The, the real. Yeah, yeah. However, you've got a point to their results. The Cardiff Blues are actually not going as well as this season as they were last season. I think it's been a consistency's been a problem ever since Danny yeah, Wilson. Yeah, their league results are not great. Danny Wilson had two really sort of up and down years, and then he had his third year was was down until he announced his right, uh, departure, and then, went and then up. it went up. Yep, yeah, which it, which completely summed up how inconsistent they were that season, and actually also they had. Ellis Jenkins came back and won a 10 out of 11 well and he's missing crucial. now because he is crucial man in England yeah and then under under Mulvihill they've they've always had the knack of they'll put together like 4, four or 5, five six results yeah. and it'll be like ah this is this is the Cardiff Blues we're expecting yeah. they play nice rugby at home and they're on a fast track and they got nice exciting halfbacks and then you know then, then they look flaky and they look weak up front and, and, and the same problems arise is it a cult- is it a culture issue? I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it's just like how long does it keep going? Because it, you you do fall into the trap of it's it's you know it's just a yeah. self fulfilling yeah. prophecy. Yeah, indeed. You know, my view on this, which I've frequently expressed over this years of underachievement by the Blues, is they got everything going from Welsh capital, significant sponsorship, could have loads more sponsorship if they were successful, good crowd base. Uh, at an average attendance in 208 or 9 over 15,000 source of potential for them they should be Welsh Rugby's Leinster simple as that they should be the Welsh Welsh region because they've got more potentially more resources than anyone else and everything going from yeah. based in the Welsh I, I, I don't know whether they should be Welsh Rugby's Leinster I, I take well, the well, point why I take that because their yeah, potential yeah, commercial yeah, income yeah, yeah I take that and I, I you know I'm not I don't think they should be world beaters but why not I, I, just, you know, I don't think just don't think you know if if there was meant to be a, a Welsh rugby region that was world beaters, we'd have seen it by now. But you look at them and you think they should, you know, you see them on their good days. You think they great on their good not, days. They're not. They're not. You know, you think well, they should at least be looking at the playoffs in the in the Pro Fourteen, looking at the European knockout stages. And to be fair, you think that for probably all the regions, bar the Dragons, for the last couple of years, and you, you sort of. It's just that frustrating thing where you know you think, especially since they've they've changed the Pro 14 format. For me, it's now yeah. infinitely easier to get to the the playoffs, yeah, and yet yeah. the Scarlets the only team who've yeah. done it. Yeah, Blues have never been in a playoff since the playoff system was first introduced, and they've never won the league in any no. form, which to me is criminal. Yeah, can't argue with that. Right, um, what else have we got on the agenda? I think we got quickly touch upon uh, Lewis Reesamet. Uh, he limped off. I think he's on crutches. Hopefully we'll get an injury update soon, but that's not good. No, it doesn't look great, but obviously we don't see this as the injury. Or no. Was it ankle? Was it calf? He's a young lad. They do make 
quick recoveries, even though he's on crutches afterwards. I don't think you can read too much into that because our standard procedure now takes yeah. some of the weight off it. Remember uh, Alan Amos last season? I saw him on crutches after the game. Two days later, he was training. But like if he is, if, if he is, if he has got some, did he have a go, moon boot on or not? I, I don't know. I, I, well, that's I, I that's another could, telltale sign. Potentially, could be like a tear or something like that. Is what we think, you know. Hmm. Um, but you know, and Johnny McNichol's injured. If he has got a niggle, then you, it's probably enough of a risk to start him against Italy. Does that just sort of maybe take him out of the firing line? No, if he's fit, you start him. Simple as. Yeah, but if he's, I'm, I'm saying if he's got a slight niggle, so you know 100%. How serious the niggle is? Yeah. Right? Yeah, you know, you obviously don't want to risk his uh, health uh, and, uh, uh, you know, any prospect of it uh, recurring. Uh, but otherwise, the doctors will decide that along with him. And uh, if he's up to playing without risking further damage, he's got to play because he's so good. Simple as. Unformed. You know, yep. and the other the other bloke I would play if he wasn't fit would be John Johnny McNichol, but he injured his uh, ankle at the Dragons December twenty first. Came back against Toulon, uh, what nine days ago, whatever. Yeah, and then missed last weekend's game. Funny enough, talking about recurs. I don't know if it's recurs, but it's an ankle injury. I assume it could be the same one. So he sat that out uh, at the weekend. Why not? That was a precautionary measure because of the uh, injury. Yeah. I don't know, but he's got to sure. be more of a doubt or a doubt. He's got to be perhaps a bigger Six Nations doubt, which. You know, both these blows actually could open the, the door for George North. Could could do. Um, finally, England have announced. <coughs> well, yeah, that cold hasn't shifted, has it? Well, it's, well it's, could be to do with the heating system. It's better being outside, away. You know, in fresh air, Ben. Sound like Kermit the Frog, eh? Yeah, rather than being in a inside, tends to make people worse when they got a cold on it. You know, these modern conditioning uh, systems. It is literally like a, such a contrast, isn't it? It's like mm. it's like freezing cold yeah. outside, and then in here it's yeah. And you know me, Ben. Really, I, at heart, I'm an outdoors man. Well, I didn't want to say it, but um, yeah, England have announced their squad. Uh, we'll touch upon it very quickly. A few surprises uh, for me: no Don Brandt, uh, former obviously former Archers, uh, Cardiff Met student. Especially with Billy, Billy Vunapola's injury, you'd have thought he'd have been written in ink in that squad. He's not. That's a massive shock. Um, Jacob Umaga is in there as a fly half. Um, He's one for the future. One for the future, 21 years old. I think that might have been broken in one of the nationals this morning. So, again, like a bit of a Nick Tompkins, not too much of a shock. Um, scrum half for me. Ben Young's, Willie Show, Hines. Shows the dearth of scrum halves in England? Yeah. Well, not even the dearth, just that Eddie Jones doesn't trust anyone yeah exactly yeah I think I think there are good I think Joe Simpson's a good scrum half yeah he's a decent player yeah. I think he's had a good he's, he's playing good rugby at Gloucester but um, Eddie Jones trusts what he trusts and we well we know Eddie Jones is you know, he's mad as a box of frogs but he has a tendency <laughs> to get things right when he makes these decisions so um, it'll be interesting to see because I think Wales will look at that Six Nations squad and think hey yeah the, the thing that stands out to me is that England to lose Billy Vanapola yep. is an absolute hammer blow because all their best rugby and their Six yep. Nations uh, titles under Eddie Jones have come with Billy at number eight. They are a different side when he's playing. And, uh, uh, you know, I fancy Wales got a really good shot at this championship anyway without Billy Vanapola. And if Wales, depends on Wales' injury situation, mine as well. But, you know, I don't see any reason why Wales can't go to uh, Twickenham and beat England also without Vanapola 
I just got that feeling I'm at it for a while that France are going to beat England in the, in the opening match of Six Nations oh, throw in it, Paris throw it wide open they would but then I don't think I think France got a lot of youngsters I don't think they'll have the experience and consistency yeah. to win the championship no. and I think Ireland got too much of a dad's army team so I think they got a big performance in them could be against Wales but I think I, got, I think it could be a championship this year it's not one with a grand slam no so hence the importance of Wales starting with a bang by racking up points and getting a bonus point against Italy there we go that's a nice positive note to end on and that is it for today's podcast we'll be back later in the week with some uh, sort of tactical analysis on Wales and the Six Nations launch this weekend so I think the boy Southcombe is going down there to London and he gets all the trips um so that'll be later on in the week and then it's Six Nations next week we'll be back with three podcasts a week plus daily Facebook shows on our Facebook page The Gain Line as always you can catch all the rugby news on Wales Online 